Hey everyone, it's Keller with FreshyVenture.com. A few weeks ago, I requested an interview from Yaro Starek of EntrepreneursJourney.com, and he was gracious enough to accept the interview. Uh, now, the interview was meant to not be too long, uh, but it actually went on for two hours. And because of that, I've decided to split up this uh, recording into parts so that uh, you guys can uh, listen to it all and get as much out of it as possible without being overwhelmed by all of the information. So this is actually going to be a three-part series. Now, part one and two will cover questions that uh, my own blog reader submitted for Yarrow. And then part three is going to be made up of all of my questions. Now, part one and two will be posted to my blog. Uh, but part three, I'm going to, I've decided to offer that uh, as an incentive for you to sign up for my newsletter. So please enjoy part one and two here without any obligation on your part. If you'd like to go on to part three, uh, simply sign up for my newsletter and you will receive a link uh, to hear that part of the interview in your welcome email. So here we go with part one of my interview with Yaro Starek. Hi everyone, it's Keller with FreshEventure.com. I have an incredible guest on the phone with me today. Yaro Starek is here to answer your questions on blogging. Now if you're a blogger, you're most likely very familiar with Yaro and his work. From his own blog, EntrepreneursJourney.com, to his amazing courses including Blog Mastermind, Become a Blogger, and Membership Site Mastermind. Yaro has made a name for himself as one of the most popular and respected blogging gurus. I couldn't be more thrilled to welcome Yaro to FreshyVenture.com today, and I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Keller. It's uh, great to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to your, your reader questions in particular. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this is how the interview will work. Several weeks ago, I asked my blog readers to submit their questions for Yarrow, and I've compiled a list of the best questions and included some of my own. And so this will be a simple Q&A interview, and uh, hopefully all of those people will, will be able to come back and get all their answers, and this will be a lot of fun. So if you're ready, I'm good to go. I will... Wonderful. Okay. The first question was submitted by Raman Tessa, and they wrote, what blogging platform do you suggest beginners who want to make money through blogging use, Blogger or WordPress? That's a great intro question. You know, when I started blogging, I actually used movable type, which people may not be as familiar with. It's still a popular uh, system. It's uh, the same people who produce TypePad which I think would probably be number three after the, the two we mentioned, Blogger and WordPress. Uh, and it was kind of crappy, to be honest. <laughs> type wasn't a lot of fun to try and uh, make it do things, and it didn't have a lot of uh, good plugins. It was difficult to redesign. Uh, a lot of people will go to Blogger, uh, a Blogspot blog, the first time they begin, usually because if you type in you know how to blog or, or where to get a blog or something like that, you eventually come across Blogger. And the same, right. you know, and it's it's a good platform to get started with, just to learn how to create a blog and write to a blog. But if you want to make money, this is the question being asked here. I would stay away from it. And in fact, the other option you're uh, you're asking there about WordPress, 
is it is the better choice, but to be careful, you got to clarify this. There's two versions of WordPress. You've got WordPress.com, and which is the the version where you don't actually host the website; they host it for you, or WordPress.org, which is where you actually download the software, the script that you install in on your own server, and you 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 have more control that way. So that's what I do. I've gone to WordPress.org, and I I. It would have been four years ago that I made the switch to WordPress after being on Movable Type before that, and uh, it's been great ever since then. It's the by far the the most heavily used independent blogging platform. It's got the best support. It's got the best uh, themes and plugins and community around it, all of which is free. So it's, it is incredible how much you can get out of it without spending a dime. Um, the only time I would recommend even looking at Blogger or the WordPress.com, the other version, would be if you are really, really not technically able, you're not even sure you want to blog yet. So right. you just want to go there, set up an account, type your first article, publish it, just to see what that feels like so you can know whether you want to continue. But if you're sure you do want to continue, head to yeah, WordPress.org and and get yourself installed with a, a domain name and, and, you know, really host a proper blog. Right. Well, plus with Blogger, you can actually import your Blogger site onto WordPress. So if you wanted to just test it out and then see where things go, if you want to keep doing it, you can switch to WordPress relatively painlessly. And then, yeah, you do own the domain. You own the site. So that's yeah. wonderful. Just uh, relatively pain-free is, is a a relative term there depending on how technical oh, people are right, <laughs> when right. it comes to making the move uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but it is possible definitely yeah okay and I'm so glad you uh, made the distinction I completely forgot about that wordpress.com versus wordpress.org so uh, wordpress.com would be very similar than to blogger it would and you know we should actually be fair to both those services you can get a domain name and still use blogger but right. uh, it's often, you're just not going to get the features of a WordPress.org installation on your own server. Right. Okay. All right, great. The next question uh, was submitted by Stife1001, and they wrote, I'd like to know how I could easily transfer my current sites onto blogs. I fear the only answer is to copy and paste. I feel like you should answer this one, Keller, because yeah. you're, you're already given the response. Um, <laughs> You know the the, the <laughs> everything needs to be put in, in inverted commas here. The simplest way to do this would be to use an inbuilt transfer service, depending on what your content looks like at the moment. So if there's an RSS feed that you have already, uh, WordPress does have an import function where it can grab the content from your RSS feed and put that into uh, a, a brand new WordPress installation. Uh, I personally would. You know, and, well, I need to know where your content's coming from to really answer this. But what I would do, and I've done this before, is to actually get someone else who knows their technology and say, "Listen, I need all the articles on this static, normal website to be put into this brand new blog. I want this domain name. I want the blog to be set up in this way, all for me." And then say, "You know, do it." <laughs> and right. That, that should be that, that could be a fifty dollar job. You know, it's not too much work there depending on how, you know, how complex your existing site is how it, large yeah it is, yeah and now if you're a technical person and you this is something that you know using ftp and and doing that sort of thing doesn't daunt you 
Um, copy and paste, uh, it's not the only answer, but it is a possible answer. It's be a painful <laughs> process. You'd have to copy your articles into the WordPress system and then press publish, you know, as you go through. And, you know, you might actually want to be careful doing that because you'd be replicating the content from your old site onto the blog, which means your blog would be looked at as a duplicate content site if it's got nothing new in it. So right. I, I, how I would actually do this is if it's appropriate, I'd keep the same domain name you have at the current site and I just put a blog there instead with the same uh, articles, hopefully with the same structure. Uh, and what I, mean, what I mean by that is the same uh, website address structure. So you've got your domain name.com forward slash whatever the articles are called now, keep that intact. That way you're not going to damage your search engine rankings, you're not going to uh, risk any duplicate content penalties and everything will look very seamless to the eyes of the search engines as well. All that's really happening there is your your back end, your system for controlling it all is, has turned into a blog. Right. Okay. And also for those of you who have a standard website and are considering doing a blog, you can install WordPress on your existing website. And like Yara was just talking about with the extension, you just have yourdomain.com forward slash blog. And so you can have continue to have, it's a service-related website, so it's pretty static, but you can then install this blog to make it dynamic, and that would work pretty well too. Uh, but yeah, hopefully she won't have to go and copy and paste everything yeah, or she well, can actually, help get help. Your solution is probably the easiest one if you're okay with your content that's already in existence to stay where it is. And right. just to start publishing the new content at the forward slash blog address. That's definitely the easiest way to get going without, you know, any disruption to what, what's currently in place. So maybe that's the way to go. Okay. All right. Well, our next question is, uh, was submitted by a rose for you and they wrote to blog versus to niche. Is it overkill to have an authority blog and several niche autopilot sites? And I kind of, wanted to rewrite this question for you to make it a little more specific here and, and just ask, should you just focus on one blog for a while? Or, you know, many internet marketers out there will tell you, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, so they kind of promote having as many sites out there as possible, each kind of pulling in a small stream of income. What would you suggest for someone who wants to get into blogging? Mm. This is an interesting one. If it is someone who's just getting into blogging, often the distractions of multiple projects can result in none of them working. Uh, that's right. often been the case for, I mean, I've done that too. Uh, maybe hasn't killed projects. You know, I've, I've had a main project and then bought other websites. So I've had three or four websites running, but it's very clear my energy is stuck on the main project. So these other sites are sort of floundering. They're doing okay, but they're not growing. Um, and that's, that can be all right, you know, and, and you can always move from one project to the other based on your interests. But from my own experience, I found just even thinking about multiple projects kind of hurt my brain sometimes. So, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually liked the, the single-minded uh, determination and focus of building only one authority presence in one marketplace and in one industry and seeing how you can actually expand from within that industry or within that sort of authority status you're building. So by that, by that, I mean, you might have one blog and that's the one blog you're going to work on. And that is by far the easiest way to get going with this because it's, there's no distractions. It's very focused. And then as you build that blog up, you can start spinning off things that are related to that. So that's when you start producing your first product to sell, or maybe your first great free resource you give away like a report or some videos or something like that. 
and that way your your we won't call them autopilot autopilot sites your other niches are still within the same area so you're just branching off within your same subject matter which which actually serves to reinforce what you're good at and make you even more of an authority so it's almost like having uh, different branches of the same company. You're still doing everything under the same brand, the same industry, uh, except you've got a blog, you've got a product, you've got lots of free resources out there that are that stand alone as well and bring you traffic. And that's how I'd spend my time if, if you had the, the resources to do so. Uh, that's just me, though. I mean, I, I've always preferred that. It's simpler on my brain. It's simpler mm-hmm. in my positioning in the marketplace. Uh, it's just, you know, once you've found something you're good at, it just flows better that way. Some people, though, and there's a lot of marketers out there, they never want to be or they don't or have yet to find what they want to specialize in. So they actually like the process of having 10 websites in 10 completely diverse areas. The The subject matter of those niches doesn't really matter to them. It's more a case the process of making money from them. So, right, the challenge. Yeah, in which case, yeah. you know, if you've got several autopilot niche sites and, and you're having success with them, you know, reproduce and replicate in other, uh, I, should, I should be saying niche, so I'm confusing people, uh, in different <laughs> niche areas, the American way. Um, <laughs> and uh, that, that works great too. Like I, I could have stuck to my strategy of buying websites and just continued to buy and I would have had maybe 20 of them by now. And, you know, I had kind of bizarre topics. I had miniature motorcycles. I had uh, a forum which kids talked about R&B and rap music. Uh, I could have kept, you know, my, um, what was the other one I had? Uh, my, well, my card game site. I could have kept my proofreading business. I could have kept all these different sort of businesses and run them all concurrently and, and you know, maybe made better or as good money as I'm making now, but my brain would have been all over the place and I would right. have just been, um, you know, nothing would have been as big. It would be a case of lots of smaller uh businesses rather than one large, stable, independent, growing, well-branded authority, which I think is better long-term. Well, and so I'm a student of every one of your courses, and your membership site mastermind course specifically actually promotes people in the beginning to start with a blog and build up that social proof, build up your reputation, your credibility, and then go off and do your membership course and your, your information products so that you are focused on building uh, a brand for yourself. And then, yeah, you can go off onto these little uh, nichier areas. And hopefully you'll have much more success than just starting out with a membership site and, and all of these different ones. And had you, Yaro, stayed with all of your different websites and maybe not focused so much on entrepreneur's journey and then building the blog mastermind and become a blogger perhaps you might have made as much money, but maybe your name wouldn't be known the way it is today mm-hmm. as a guru. And that may not matter. You know, it's, it's right. really what you well, want. Well, right. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely comes down to that. I, I, um, I get, I, I need a variety, so I like to start a lot of sites, but I, I always give myself some time. Yeah. I think so you want to like, be famous too, Keller, right? I, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll admit it. <laughs> I have noticed that there aren't a lot of female gurus on the scene. And I just thought that, you know, maybe everyone would like someone to come in and fill that place for them. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, actually, on the subject of recognition, how many, uh, I will call them underground marketers, people who do make a lot of money in lots of different niches, 
uh, eventually they kind of get bored of it and they've got great money and they're financially they're independent but they realize that they're not getting uh, as much intrinsic value because they don't have recognition for what they're doing it's just money so they actually start becoming teachers and yes they still teach and sell products to make money from that but often it's the the aspect of teaching others and getting recognition uh, getting on stage whatever it is that becomes the intrinsic value they need so you know one of those human uh, needs we have in the hierarchy is recognition so it's surprising how many times that can happen oh yeah yeah and you know i've been working online for myself for four years now but i um didn't have my face on my store sites and, and i wasn't out there you know i was on the phone with clients teaching them how to do this but i wasn't really out there and, and getting out there and having your name out there attached to your work and having people actually come by and say, hey, you actually helped me do something. It is, uh, it's, blogging has been the most... Um, Way cool, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. I, I've never been more satisfied with any of the work I've ever done. But it was scary getting out there. Uh, it's scary putting your face on your blog. And it's scary <laughs> to think, you know, maybe you won't be accepted. Who knows what's going to yeah, happen? I guarantee you won't be. Not, not by everyone. So Yeah, we're all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, the, our next question then is uh, was submitted by That Girl is Funny, and she's actually one of our contest nominees. And she wrote, what elements do you look for when choosing the perfect blog theme? Perfect. Oh, that is a problem. We're going for perfection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, blog design is a funny thing because I've got conflicting value structures with it, uh, which... It's the case for, I think, all website design. You've got your practical usability outcomes, your conversion points, you know, the things you want your website to do for you in terms of causing people to take an action versus the I just like it because it looks pretty aesthetic kind of value structure. And those two things, you know, it's like the old Venn diagram. If you can get them to cross over as much as you can, that's that's what we consider the perfect blog theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, However... Um, because the the aesthetic side of things is often subjective, you're usually just pandering to yourself when it comes to choosing what you think is pretty. And then you've got the the real world structure of what you get out of it. And there's no arguing with that. What you get you get a result or you don't. So it doesn't matter whether you like the design or not. If you get opt-ins, you get customers, you get interaction, then that's considered a result, right? (laughs) So (laughs) you need to decide here um, what's the most important variables to consider and at the same time try and, you know, get something that looks good. So I've always found the elements that I look for when choosing a blog theme are actually simplicity, a very clear uh, flow for the eye to go through. So... Um, it's really important that there's only one or two instant uh, eye-grabbing elements. You know, obviously one is ideal, and it should be a flow. So it might be the top image or the top headline, and then it moves them down to a picture on the right side. Like often, people's faces or pictures of any people are very uh, the first thing the eye looks at. So that element should be attached to something that you want to get a result from as well. Like for example, you know, you might have a newsletter opt-in form. If you put a picture of a person there, that's where they're usually going to look, and that will cause them to read the content that's also in the opt-in form. So, um, you know, those are little things you can do to make a blog themes get the results you want at the same time. So, but you know, I've done 
five or six, well, not quite that many, four or five redesigns of my blog over the last five years. Every time I've done it, I've tried to get more in and then realized that's a mistake and actually then tried to reduce the amount of elements. I still have trouble getting down to certain things because you want to include some things, but you also want to get a result. So I've found the simpler the design, the better by far. You know, right. just, just a heading, just the content section, just a, a column, um, a very obvious opt-in box. That, that really should be the largest element. Uh, in fact, I'm beginning to think my opt-in box is not prominent enough on my current design because uh, I've seen some people do some amazing things really focusing on that opt-in. Uh, and then the rest of it is all almost pandering to whatever you, you just like and it doesn't necessarily help your blog too much. You know, there's little things you can have that are nice plugins, you know, the subscribe to comments, the, the nested comments, the uh, related articles, all these things that help a blog, but they're not really going to make or break the effectiveness. What's going to count is can the person, when they come to your site, easily find the content they're looking for and consume it, which is usually more of a copywriting issue than necessarily a, a design right. issue. Um, the design can augment that, but it's a copy that's going to do that. And uh, are the things you want people to do actually being promoted as the dominant element? So is the opt-in box the most prominent feature on there? Or, you know, is, is, uh, if, if, it's, if it's a sales page, it would be, is the headline the most prominent thing? So in a blog, you have to decide. Maybe it's your RSS feed that you really want to promote as the number one thing. Or should it be promoted at the right time? You know, often people will direct people first to the content and at the end of the content direct them clearly to the RSS opt-in so they get that flow that I was talking about before. So uh, there's my maybe not the most structured answer. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, uh, <laughs> I always try and describe it as it's a marketing versus an artistic perspective when mm. it comes to web design. And so many of us, especially in the beginning when you're just starting out, you have no clue what's going to work. So it's all this uneducated guess of what you kind of want it to look like. And then over time, you can figure out what people are doing on your site, where the uh, brick walls might be. Uh, but I think with people, with, when it comes to web design, you've got to remember your blog, what is the product here? Your product is your content. So as long as the content is easily you know, uh, found and people can uh, find more of what they need, then the design's probably mm. right, you know? <laughs> And then you've got so. those things like advertisements you've got to get in there if you're going to monetize through that way. So a lot of this comes down to strategy. You know, if, if I didn't have the need to make money from advertising, let me try that again. If I chose not to make money from advertising, uh -huh. <laughs> way to put it, and, uh -huh. I, I would, and I just wanted to build my, my core business, I would have a left column with my content, a right column with an opt-in box, and that's it. And maybe hmm. you know, a headline with the name of the blog. And... There'd be no distractions, there'd be no widgets, there'd be no uh, banners. It would just read my content, join my list, that's the relationship I want with you, done. You know, that right. in a lot of ways would be probably the optimal design given the business model that I use. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yours isn't too far from that, actually. I mean, you have ads on there, but your most prominent uh, feature on your sidebar is your, your newsletter. And your RSS is always, the sign-up is always in the top right. And then you've got your content there. Mm, so, yeah. you know, you, you do have a pretty simple design that, that works. So so far, so good. So far, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next question uh, was submitted by Christopher Sandvin. 
and he writes, how do you convert as many blog visitors as possible into loyal, regular readers? Uh, great question. This is like one of the original questions. I remember when I first wrote my newsletter, this was something I covered a lot uh, because, well, you know, when I started this, I thought it was all about RSS feeds. That's for me was, this is what you want, people to subscribe to your RSS. That's what everyone else was talking about. RSS was going to replace email. This is the oh, key, yeah. key for bloggers is to get that RSS going. I, I did re eventually realize, okay, no, email is still going to win out. But um, it didn't matter. We're still talking about getting people to to keep coming back. And whether it's subscribe to RSS, subscribe to email, or even just bookmark. I was a big fan of just getting a bookmark on my blog. Uh, there's some things you can do. So for me, the most important thing will always be consistency of your performance with content. So, you know, great content as a starting point it will always make or break a blog. But you have to keep at it. I found that a lot of people will write one article and then maybe they, they wait a week or two weeks before the next one is there. Or, you know, even if they're consistent with the amount of content they produce, the quality isn't consistent, the message isn't consistent, the topics are going a little bit too divergent. So they're, they're getting someone's interest and then losing it the next article because it's just, you know, completely different from the first topic. So, you know, there's, there's some simple strategic elements you need to have in place. Understand why it is a person's coming to your blog. Keep feeding them that, that need, whatever it is they're coming there for. Keep giving them information as focus as you can on that subject matter. So that's the, that's the underground principle that's driving everything there. The next thing you can do are just little tricks and, and tweaks to, to more likely get that the action, get the person to make the subscription. So uh, the, the obvious thing is to ask. <laughs> it's amazing how many times you might write a brilliant article and then it's actually very difficult for people to even find out how to subscribe. So um, simply put, at the end of an article, you know, that's the, that's the place where most people are feeling the most satisfaction with your content. They just finished reading it. Uh, at the right. end of it, there should be some sort of call to action. Hey, you know, you like this article? Call or you want more stuff from me? You know, subscribe. Uh, that's, again, a, a flow issue. It's the way people consume content. So try and put markers in that flow at the right place. Uh, making your RSS or your email or whatever it is that you call them to subscribe to obvious, um, top Top, uh, above the fold, somewhere in the design should be clear. Um, good copy to get them to actually take the action, that helps too. So, you know, uh, it's amazing how many people will not use very powerful words to suggest a subscription. It's like, you know, click here to subscribe, which it can be enough if your audience is savvy with subscriptions, but if they're not, they're going to need some sort of reason why, an incentive, as well as some very clear instructions on what to do. Uh, some of the best people I've seen at getting subscriptions are uh, like guys like Darren Rouse. He'll make it, you know, he'll do an entire video to show you how to subscribe to an RSS feed on his blog, which is something that most people won't do. So if you know you're a, a blogger who's writing to an audience that don't get RSS or even email, like need to be showed how to type in, an email address into a box and press enter. Show them how to do what you want them to do with a video and then put it there for them to watch and that will that will trigger the, the opt-in. So, um, you know, little baits as well as good content, obviously, to, to keep them coming back. Yeah, you have, you offer a free report for your RSS feed and then Blog Profits Blueprint for your newsletter. Is that right? You, you offer two different things for both. That's right. And, 
you know, it's pretty clear though, if you look at that, which one I want them to do more. Right. Then, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> but and, you're still giving that incentive for that RSS feed. It's not just as, hey, subscribe. Yeah, it's something, you know, I had this report that I'd written. I didn't, I was a long time ago planning on doing something different with it, but he decided, no, I'm going to incentivize my RSS a bit. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, incentives are always good. If you have something you can give people in exchange for them subscribing, uh, that's, that's helpful. But the underlying motivation behind a subscription is I've just experienced value from you. I think, based on the history I've seen you've got at your blog so far, that the likely outcome in the future is you're going to deliver more value. I'm mm -hmm. motivated then to subscribe so I don't miss out on that value. That It's like right. word of mouth. It's the same sort of strong underlying motivational push there. If you can get that and that comes from your content, then you'll get subscribers. That's so true. You know, a lot of people will sign up for the immediate, uh, the instant gratification of a free report or something like that. But that doesn't mean they're going to stick around. Right. The people who sign up based on your content are most likely to stick around on that list longer. Mm -hmm. Now, I, actually, I have kind of a sub-question for you uh, based on this question. Uh, the last couple weeks, I've actually been an almost non-existent with blogging because of uh, some other things just going on in my life. And uh, I've had to kind of keep the same different types of posts rotating on my homepage. Now, so far, my readers seem to be okay with it. Um, but I wondered how, you know, how long would it, could it take to possibly screw yourself with that <laughs> if you're not so consistent with it? I mean, have you ever found yourself in that position? Uh, it's a funny thing, this, because I, I, I always feel a little bit... Um, not guilty, but it's like mis misleading to an extent with, with audience building because so much of this is dependent on what you want from your people and, and what's your overall strategy. You know, uh -huh. I, I, when I started my first year of blogging, I thought all these things we're talking about are so important uh, and little, little, little tweaks to improve things mattered. But in the end, there was really two things that mattered. As long as I wrote something to my blog... Of, in my own voice that helped people and, and you know I, I did jump from subject to subject I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of going against the advice that has gave people and I have talked about things that go from some very specific making money tip all the way up to uh, you know something to do with mindset and personal development to something completely different still within the framework of my subject area but quite diverse and uh, you know my experience from all this is it's helped build my audience base what's most important is there's a core uh, resource that keeps bringing my audience, bringing some audience to me. So in this case, my the Blog Profits Blueprint is always on my blog. It's always getting people to the blog because other people are recommending it. So they recommend, hey, go get Yarrow's report. It's great. It's free. It's on his blog. Um, affiliates are doing the same thing. So my core strategic goal is being met by that. So I'm, I'm adding 100 new subscribers to my email list every day because of that, regardless of what I write on my blog, how often I write on my blog, and so forth. Oh, so wow. that's given me, I guess, more freedom to then oh, yeah. experiment with what I, I, you know, nowadays I write to my blog, uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> come on, <laughs> <laughs> be careful how I say this. It's, it's, I'm still considering what my audience wants, 
but I'm really also considering what is interesting me at the time as well. And again, that's one of those things where if you can get the Venn diagram to cross over, what you're loving and really enjoying learning and growing as a person at the point in time, and that translates into really valuable content for your audience too, well, that's just the holy grail of good blog content because you're right. always going to be the most powerful and impactful when you're personally getting a lot from it. So uh, that's where I've been recently. But, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I, I'm in a situation where I've built a foundation, so I've got the luxury of, of freedom of how I blog and, you know, how often I blog and what topics I blog on. If I started this and I would need to make money, I, I would want to get out of a job I hated, I'd be a lot more focused. I'd be probably writing more often and I'd be very consistent with this clear message because I'd be trying to get to a situation financially in order to alleviate something I really didn't like about my life, which is a full-time job. Right. Right. Okay, great. Actually, I have a million other questions to ask you from that, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> no, I've here for a long time. I've got a lot of questions. So. <laughs> I know. Okay, let's see here. The next uh, question was submitted by Richard from Monetize My Life. He's another one of our... Uh, WordPress blog uh, nominees, and he writes, I really like this question, uh, he writes, should I make a separate landing page for my blog's newsletter opt-in, or should I simply put my actual opt-in form on my blog's you know, header, sidebar, etc., and hope for the best? <laughs> Gotta love hoping for the best, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great strategy. <laughs> uh, both. Is the answer to that one? Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I definitely want both. There's, there's, yeah, I mean, you. I won't lie to you. My, my opt-in, like the dedicated landing page, brings me more opt-ins a day than the opt-in form on my blog. Uh, the reason being, the blog has a lot of competing elements that people come to it for. A lot of the audience that comes to my blog are ready on that newsletter. Uh, however, there is a good stream of of, of sign-ups a day that come to that because. Usually it's a search engine optimization thing. They search for some sort of subject. One of my blog articles comes up in a Google result. They come read my article. That's when they then join my newsletter for the first time. The landing page, though, is very focused. It's get this. This is why you want to get it. Stick your name and email here, and you'll, you'll, you know, you'll receive the, res uh, the, the resource in return. And the traffic that's going to those opt-ins is predominantly from affiliates. Sorry, the traffic that's going to that landing page is predominantly from affiliates who are sending a very targeted message when they send that traffic there. So the opt-in rate is much better. Uh, it's, a, it's a combination you want to aim towards. So, hell, why not put an opt-in box on your blog and make it very prominent? I mean, even use a um, pop-up. I have a couple of blogs, uh, students of mine are, have noticed... Uh, uh, you know, 25-50% increase the number of opt-ins they get by using a pop-up or a hover-type uh, um, opt-in box on their blog. So if that's okay with you know your your ethos as a blogger, then right. go for it. Uh, but you should be using both. And the, the challenge of the landing page is you may not understand or have a reason yet to send people there because you don't have affiliates or um, you know. Like I think the question probably was born from the issue, should I have a link on my blog that goes to a landing page to collect opt-ins or should I have the actual opt-in form directly on my blog? That's right. where it's an either-or question. The way it's been asked here, there's no reason not to do both. But if there was an either-or question, well, you may as well have the opt-in on the blog, but then create the landing page as well to start getting ready for the day when you have affiliates 
or when you start doing pay-per-click marketing if you're going to spend money to drive traffic or if you do a special joint venture promotion one-off perhaps with a, a specific partner there's lots of reasons why you'll need a landing page now your blog profits blueprint is is kind of focused is focused on getting people to eventually sign up for blog mastermind which so it's um, and and perhaps some people who have a newsletter on their blog feel like they can't have a separate landing page for their newsletter because they're not necessarily promoting their own product. But when I started my blog, Euro, I have to admit I I went to your to Entrepreneur's Journey, and I just looked at how you were doing things, and I saw you had that separate landing page, and I went ahead and did a post as a landing page for my newsletter. Now it's not separate website but it is an entire page just focused on pushing the newsletter you know and um, it it seems to have worked well so I think even for you bloggers who you don't have a product you're necessarily promoting through a newsletter but you know you do have that newsletter why not go ahead and have the sign up on your your blog Mm. plus plus create that post a post just about the newsletter well you've created a third element really there's then you've got your your header or sidebar opt-in box. You've got a dedicated mm-hmm. landing page at a completely different URL with a completely different design. And then your typical blog entry that promotes the resource as well, which is another form of opt-in. So you could do all three of those. Right. Uh, the challenge there is probably deciding which one goes when, where, how, right. <laughs> and so forth. <laughs> but the strategy is the, the end picture here. I think the easiest one is what you just described as well. Write a blog post uh, and, you know, the first time I launched a newsletter ever was before I had a course and I didn't know what I was going to sell. I was planning on writing an ebook at the time. And I did exactly what you just said. I, um, well, actually, I did everything that we just talked about. I added <laughs> an opt in box to my blog in the top right corner. I was a bit smaller back then and it had no video, but it was, a, it was still there. I wrote, a, well, I created a dedicated landing page, which you can still see at Blog Traffic King. Com. It was my first ever attempt at a landing page, and I created that I've one myself. I've seen that one, yeah. Yeah, with, with auto start audio as well. That was an experiment. And <laughs> I also wrote a blog post announcing that I had created a new newsletter, and this is why you should join it, and you can enter your name and email here. And it was interesting because there were different things going on. The blog post was time-dependent. It was based on me announcing something new, and that's obviously got the most number of opt-ins for the next week from that post. But then after that, it completely died off because the post was lost in my archives. Mm -hmm. I also linked, though, to the landing page in that post, and I actually started spending a bit of money on pay-per-click to drive traffic to the the Blog Traffic King uh, dedicated landing page as well. And, of course, there was the trickle-on of opt-ins from the the box in the right corner. So it was was almost like a a three-pronged attack on... Uh, or a campaign to launch a newsletter. That's really what that was. So, you know, no reason why you don't do the same thing. Right. If you can have an opportunity to get someone to follow you, why not take it? Okay. Thanks so much for listening to part one of my interview with Yara Starik. If you'd like to listen to part two, just head on over to my blog, freshyventure.com. Thanks so much, you guys.